So perfect peace. Let me lay a little bit of groundwork for us to understand the perfect peace of God. How many of you want the perfect peace of God? What's the greeting that they would give you in Israel? If you walked up and you wanted to greet somebody, what would you say? Shalom. Let's all say it together. Shalom. It's the perfect peace of God. It's an incredible expression. And I want to show you where that Hebrew word shalom translates in various scriptures in various ways as we look into this today. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. You keep him in perfect peace. Shalom. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Do you understand? God will keep you in perfect peace if you will bring your focus and attention to him no matter what the storm may be around you. You can actually rise up just like Jesus did and say to the storm, peace be still, instead of, oh my goodness, look at this scary storm right? You can speak peace in the midst of the storm. You keep him, God, you keep us in perfect peace as we stay or fix our minds on you because we trust in you. Isaiah 26, 3, great verse for you to pray over the course of this week. Everybody say shalom. The perfect peace of God. And then we read in Psalms 35, 27, very interesting. It says, the Lord be exalted who delights in the prosperity, shalom, of his servant. So see, the first most common word shalom, and the Hebrew word shalom translates into English language as peace, but the second most common word that shalom translates into English is prosperity, speaking of our financial well-being. And it does make sense, doesn't it? Because when you have money to pay the bills, you're just at rest and at peace. But when you don't, anyone ever not had money to pay a bill that was coming due? How did you feel? The sense of unrest, the sense of uneasy. It's, it's as if there's a loss or a lack of peace when you're in that financial turmoil. So you understand, shalom is not just the general idea of peace, but it's actually provision in our lives as well, prosperity and increase. Genesis 43, Joseph is uh, reuniting with his brother, and he asks this question of his brothers about his father not having seen his family in years. And, it's, and he, he said, uh, you're, they, he said, is my father still alive? And they replied, your father, Genesis 43, 28, your father, uh, your servant, our father, is still alive and well. Shalom. Shalom. Alive and well. Which makes sense that the third most translated word from shalom, first it is peace, second it is prosperity, and third it is health or wellness. Because when our health comes into concern, maybe a doctor's report or a pandemic, then suddenly it's like we've got a choice. We either press in and embrace the perfect peace of God, declaring shalom as I stand in the presence of God. I just stood there as we were singing about enjoying and loving and being in the presence of God. I just thought, once we get into the presence of God, folks, that's when shalom begins to be expressed and expanded in our hearts and our lives, out of our mouths and out of the substance of who we are, the kingdom of God then begins to be expressed in the world. The world is no match for the king of kings that is alive in you and me. Shalom, the perfect peace of God. This word goes on uh, and translates so in progression. First peace, prosperity, health, and then goes on. Rest, it translates wellness, welfare, happiness, friendliness. This is shalom. This is what we need to understand. Despair is the absence of shalom in all of its meanings and in all of its forms. 
Have you ever been in that place of despair, depression, despondency? That's just the absence of shalom and all of its meanings in your life. And you were born for more than that. And we need to understand that today. And here's the kicker. Sons and daughters of God. If you're a son and daughter of God, say amen. There are some sons and daughters of God in the house. We're not just here trying to bring religion to the earth. Come on, we're here as sons and daughters of God proclaiming that the kingdom of God is at hand. And did you know Jesus himself said that of us, sons and daughters of God, we are peacemakers. Peace, shalom. Now, this is interesting because we're talking New Testament Greek language now. It's not the same in terms of a Hebrew expression, but the concept is a really significant concept. Blessed are the peacemakers or the shalom creators. Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called sons and daughters of God. In other words, as we rise up in the presence of God, we literally express shalom in all of its meanings everywhere we go. I don't know if you realize or not, but the provision that exists in your life can be multiplied and expanded in supernatural ways if you will fasten your faith to God. Like, I'm not just coming up with a bunch of nonsensical hope and inspiration. I'm talking about the substance of God's Word that can transform everything about who we are. This is who we are as the sons and daughters of God. We are the shalom creators in the earth, the peacemakers in the earth. A lot of people are feeling fearful and hopeless, but you and I are anointed by God to bring shalom into the situation. Now, I I found this little clip online. I want you to watch it in just a moment, but I, I want you to understand what it is. You are designed by God for shalom to exist in your body. You understand that you actually are designed by God with the ability to fight sickness on a physical level. In other words, if something foreign tries to come into your system, and in this case, this foreign object looks almost like a serpent, I want you to see what happens in triggered response in your physical body when your white blood cells begin to attack by design from God anything that's trying to, to injure your health. So here, here's a microscopic view. And so there's the little foreign object that looks almost like a serpent. And look at the white blood cells just attacking. So they all kind of go to that thing and it doesn't stand a chance to survive in your physical body. Here's the thing that I want you to understand. I'm, I'm talking... Very practically, first and foremost, science itself tells us that the more positive we are, the more mobilized our white blood cells become. In other words, just by having a positive attitude instead of just being negative all of the time, if you'll learn to stay positive, it'll actually strengthen your immune system and your white blood cells in a very real way get supercharged to be more active. How much more when your faith enacts and your white blood cells are supernaturally supercharged to destroy illness that tries to enter your body? I don't know if you're allowing this to really go deep into you right now, but there's something of substance God wants to deposit so that we're not walking around in an attitude of fear, but we're walking around in an attitude of faith, declaring, let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich. Come on, we are the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. We're going over. We're not going under in Jesus' mighty name. These are our declarations. 
These kinds of declarations are more than just religious rigmarole that we're trying to make statements, but there's actually something substantial happening, something of substance being released. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. So four weeks from now, we are going to be celebrating the resurrection of Christ. And, and I want to just kind of address this because it's important that we understand Easter will be uh, Sunday, April the 12th, but Passover begins the evening of Wednesday, April the 8th. And then Passover will end the evening of Thursday, April the 16th. So you have these, these dates that are significant, but as a perhaps New Testament Christianity, you know, that doesn't really explore and understand the basis of why we celebrate what we celebrate. You know, the table of the Lord and communion that we receive, it, it, it's, it even goes further back than just when Jesus had the Last Supper. He was actually, prior to his crucifixion, he was celebrating the Passover. What is the Passover, and why is this significant, and, and why am I even bringing all this up? Because I want to challenge you, just let, let's, I, I really sense the Lord wants to kind of knock an edge off today that some of us have been carrying, a fearful edge, just be broken. So would you just put your hand on your heart? Holy Spirit, help me just to cooperate with what you're desiring to reveal, that we as a family might cooperate with what you're desiring to do in this moment in time in our society, in a time where we're going to be going out ministering to others and encouraging others and helping others. I thank you, Lord, that we'll do so in an attitude of faith, refusing to bow to fear. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So let's take a look at what was going on in, in Passover. And you know, here's a scenario where the Israelites are in the bondage of Egypt. God has sent Moses, the deliverer, to rescue them, pull them out. Moses is a type of Christ who came. How many of you know what it is to live your life in the bondage of the world system, in the sense, in Egypt? And aren't you glad God sent his deliverer, Jesus, to draw you out? Anybody here glad you're saved? I'm so thankful for the love of Jesus Christ that drew us out. So here's Moses. He comes in as the deliverer, and he's telling the Israelites, uh, God's going to deliver you. We're going to go out of the bondage of Egypt. And so uh, take a lamb, each, each head of a household, bring a lamb to the house. Every person in the family eats of the lamb. This is all a picture that I, as the father, uh, the man of my household, I want to take responsibility and bring Christ to my home. But my children have to make a decision to respond to him. Uh, each and every one of us have to make that determination. The sacrificial lamb went through three and a half days of intense examination before it was slain in terms of what the Passover is all about. Jesus himself went through intense examination. He walked through this incredible pressure before the Father in garden, uh, sweating drops of blood, and then he was taken before the Sanhedrin, and then he was taken before Pilate, and then he was taken before Herod, and then he came back before Pilate. I mean, he went through this intense examination. This is something that I think is very important for us to understand. When you go in that day and you present this lamb to the, to the priest, the, the priest would then examine the lamb not the person bringing the lamb. 
Aren't you glad that Jesus paid the price and he was the one that had to be examined so that you and I could be just drawn right into the love of God Almighty? It's just a significant element of all of this and that that Passover lamb brought to the priest. Uh, The priest then examined the lamb. Well, what happened at Passover was they took the blood of the lamb and they put it, they applied it on the sides of the door and the top of the door. And on the top of the door, the blood would drip down. And do you see the picture of a cross at the sacrificial Passover lamb whenever they applied the blood to the door frame. I believe that all of these uh, feeble, weak, sick slaves that came out of bondage, and the Bible says none of them were sick, I believe that the morning after Passover when they walked through the door expressing the cross of Christ that would one day come, I believe their bodies suddenly were healed and strengthened, and for 40 years they never suffered any form of sickness. This is all a picture of what Jesus is wanting us to understand and having an attitude of faith. But here's the significant thing. When the blood had been placed over the believer's door, the Passover uh, is when the, the angel of death came and every believer was bypassed and all of the unbelievers that hadn't embraced, then they suffered the ill effects of the situation. Now, this is just a scriptural element for us to look back, and and I want to tie this into a scripture in Psalms 112 that says God's constant care for those who believe in him will make a deep impression on all who see it. I believe that it's important that we understand the value of what God's trying to reveal in this particular season of time. Psalms 112, such a man will not be overthrown by evil circumstances. God's constant care of him will make a deep impression on all who see it. Here it is. He does not fear bad news nor live in dread of what may happen. I will not fear bad news or live in dread of what may happen. Can I get a witness here today? We will not live in fear of bad news or in dread of what could happen. We have settled in our minds that Jehovah will take care of us, and that is why we are not afraid and can calmly face our foes. Now, I'm just going to tell you, over a year ago, the Holy Spirit gave me a prayer assignment unlike any assignment I've ever had in my life. I believe that assignment was something that I would talk about today. I have a lot of prayer assignments. I do a lot of of different things, memorization, prayer focus, seasons, and so on. But I felt the Holy Spirit was saying to me in the same way that there are some things that don't transact spiritually except by prayer and fasting, that there are some things that don't happen until we have prayed daily over the course of a full year. I believe there are some things that may not transact from the kingdom of God into the earth until we have prayed consistently over the course of a full decade. How many of you believe there's something of momentum in the kingdom of God when you keep on coming back over and over that produces and releases something of fortified strength from heaven, God Almighty releasing his kingdom in the earth? And for more than one year, I have been praying what, I have, what I've come to know and have communicated at times as the seven points of prayer. I don't think I have missed a single day of 
of praying these seven points of prayer because it is my conviction that the Lord wants me to release something in the earth in the course of continually praying this over and over. But I believe the first point of prayer that I'm about to describe to you is a very significant net that God has placed over all of our lives. I, as your pastor, have been covering you in prayer every single day. I want you to take heart and have strength and be encouraged today to know that God set you up a year in advance before we would be in the place where we are with a prayer covering by the hand of God Almighty that would protect you and your family. This is not about me. This is about him and who knows the tapestry of security and safety that he's provided in our lives from, a, from many different ways. But I just began to realize this is my first point of prayer. Every day, this is, this is literal. I get up, I do, I do my turn the page, I have my worship music going, and then I immediately go to this and I am praying this prayer. Lord, I agree for good reports over our family and all of our friends. I pronounce a blessing over our church family, and I agree today in Jesus' mighty name for good reports in our health, good reports in our finances, good reports in our minds, good reports in our spirits, good reports in our marriages, good reports in our friends, good reports in our careers, good reports in Jesus' mighty name. And then I declare Psalms chapter 4 verse 6, we will be anxious for nothing, but in everything we will come before the Lord in an attitude of prayer. And then I walk through that Psalms 112 that I just prayed for you, declaring that God's constant care for us will make a deep impression on all who see it, and we will have no fear of bad news. I have prayed this over you every single day. Why don't you take what God has chosen to reveal and breathe that into the soil of your life and rise up in an attitude that says, I will fully cooperate with what God has revealed so that I might fulfill everything God has called me to fulfill. There's substance in you today. Do you believe that? We want to press in and just pray. I want to ask if you just stand to your feet. The worship team's going to come. We just want to get into a mindset of prayer and listen carefully to what I'm going to say. You need to move on past your political agenda. Anytime I start mentioning anything politically, I have to remind us not to act like children who are swayed so easily by political dogma. Come on, we're the kingdom of God here, all right? It doesn't matter to me which way you vote or which news station you listen to. We need to put all that aside. I say again, uh, a divided world will never be saved by a divided church. A divided world will be saved by a united church. So we want to join together in this. And let me just say to you, this is not a political thing. This is a governmental thing in heaven. We right now have been commissioned by the highest office in our land, when the president this weekend has said, in the midst of this pandemic, I'm declaring a national day of prayer, asking that all the citizens of the United States of America join together in an attitude of prayer on this day, today. What I want to challenge you to understand is when the government of the earth opens the gate to come into alignment with the government of heaven, 
then a gateway of the kingdom opens up into the land of supernatural proportion. Therefore, we want to fully cooperate with this open doorway that has been entrusted to our care as we call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and we begin to press in and pray. So I've invited our our teaching team to take a segment of everything that I've been talking about today and we're just going to press in and we're going to begin to pray and declare these truths. And I ask you, will you engage in this? Like, like not, not participate, but engage. You know what the difference is? Engage. Like you're combining your faith and declaring. Like sickness is not sweeping across the earth. Healing is sweeping across the earth. Fear is not sweeping across the earth. Faith is sweeping across the earth. We're engaging the attitude of our faith. I'm just declaring again, we will not be overthrown by evil circumstances. And Lord, we thank you that we will not be overthrown by adverse circumstances that are taking place. I thank you, Lord, your word says God's constant care for us will make a deep impression on all who see it. We receive that now in Jesus' name. We will not fear bad news, nor will we live in dread of what might happen because we have settled our mind that Jehovah will take care of us, and that is why we will stay calm and face our enemies with great confidence. So we lift our hands in a posture of worship in these moments together and declare, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I thank you for this mighty gathering of the sons and daughters of God today. I believe there is something of an assignment of prayer and intercession that you have called us to release in the earth. Even in these few moments that we're going to press in, I thank you for the open gate of the government on earth and the government in heaven. Let your kingdom, Lord, have entrance into the land. Let your kingdom have entrance into the hearts of your people. Lord, let a nation turn to you in a time when they're searching for hope and searching for answers. Let us not be stumbling and stuttering, but let us rise up in confidence. Let people see fearlessness in our eyes as we have a confidence in the Lord our God in Jesus' mighty name.